Well, hello, everybody. Who's excited about being at church today? All right, Knoxville, you excited? Yes, we are one church in two locations. And so everybody at Knoxville, I want to say hello to you guys. Glad you are connecting. Of course, everybody who's watching online today, we're excited about what God is going to do today. Uh, we are in a sermon series called Next Steps. And so I really believe that your next step is the most important step. Last week, I talked about how sometimes we, we make some mistakes. Uh, of course, we always make mistakes. And I remember the golf illustration. Sometimes we might hit it in the woods, but we're not going to give up. We're not going to uh, make that uh, cause us to back down or, or, or quit taking the next step that God has called us to take. We want to continue to move forward in our relationship with him. And so I believe your next step is the most important step. And so I want to encourage you to actually take that step. Some of you uh, want to be closer to God. You, you, you aren't as close to God as you used to be, or maybe you just are new to faith. And so you want to be closer to Jesus. And so uh, I'm excited for you to take that step. Uh, that's why Sunday mornings are, are important, but it's also why our uh, journey process is important. What we call our journey is really our discipleship pathway. It's really the steps that you can take in order to continue to move forward in your relationship with God and grow. And so it starts with Basecamp. You've heard us talk about it. Basecamp is a way for you to begin to discover what God's purpose is for his church and how you can get involved. It's a way for you to begin to discover who you are and discover the vision and mission behind Foothills Church and, and begin to actually take part in that. The next step is called Camp 2. And Camp 2 is really all about you discovering your purpose. It's, it's you discovering how God designed you for ministry. We are all God's workmanship created to do good works. And so part of our journey uh, in our life is figuring out how God gifted us and in ways that he's grown us and in ways that he wants us to use those gifts and those experiences to bless other people. Along that journey, we encourage you uh, to get in a small group. Small groups are really the, the lifeblood of our church. It's where relationships take place. It's where you have a spiritual leader in your life shepherding you and, and loving you and, and challenging you in your growth. It's a way for you to love others and it's a way for you to do ministry to other people by growing in that relationship. The third step is, is called Camp 3 and Camp 3 is all about you becoming a leader. Jesus called us to be disciple makers. He said that he's going to make us fishers of men. And so how do we grow as a leader? How do we develop disciples? How do we actually impact other people to love Jesus and to take their next step in their faith? And so that's what Camp 3 is all about. And, and then the next step are, are called leadership summits. Leadership summits are four to six week courses that we do twice a semester. And we talk about the sovereignty of God. We talk about um, things like the second coming of Christ. Uh, we talk about leadership. And so those are ongoing steps for everyone to continually be equipped for the mission of God's church. And the great news is in December, all of these classes start. Camp 3 is in January and leadership summits start uh, as well uh, after the new year. And so everyone is able to take their next step. Uh, another step that I'm, I'm encouraging you to take, and, and we've been talking about this, is a step toward generosity. And that would be to give to our vision offering. Uh, we're encouraging everyone to give a one-time gift and then an ongoing commitment to give over and above what they normally give. And so this is uh, all leading up to next Sunday, November 20th. I pray that everyone would actually take part and 
You can give at any minute and, and, and go to thevisionoffering.com and, and give. But specifically, uh, next Sunday, we're hoping that everybody will take that step. We've got three goals and these goals aren't a promise. They're, they're really based on our offering. They're based on what we give. And if we uh, receive enough, we'll be able to take our next step as a church. And Every year we do this. And so every year the vision offering has taken place. And so it's not a surprise. It's not like I'm going to show a, a video to make you cry today and get you all emotional and then get you into your feels to, to give something. We're not doing that. We're, we've been talking about it for the last four or five weeks. And every year we do this. And we want you to be strategic about your giving. We want you to pray about it. We want you to think about it. We want you to sincerely ask God what he would lead you to give. And uh, if you want more information, you can go to thevisionoffering.com. This is a, a tracker uh, that essentially will track every gift that's given. And that this little bar will, will move to the right as more and more people go. So you can go right now. We got 54 givers. And so we have taken a step. And I want to encourage you guys to move forward and take this step uh, with us. If you've got a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 6. We'll be there in just a moment. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I decided that it was time to put up the Christmas tree. And so, yes, we did it before Thanksgiving. Don't hate us. We needed the emotional boost, I guess. And so we went into the attic and we got all, all the decorations. And then we decided, you know what, it's really time that we kind of get rid of some stuff. We got too much crap. <laughs> so we got too much stuff. And so we started going through boxes and stuff. And, and we've got, I don't know if you guys do this, but we've got like boxes with like memorabilia in it. And so, you know, we were going through and there's like old t-shirts. I don't know why I'm attached to old t-shirts, but I got t-shirts. I got trophies. I, I got baseball cards. My wife is like, you just need to get rid of all this stuff. And I'm like, you can't get rid of baseball cards. She doesn't, thank you. She doesn't, she doesn't know who Wade Boggs is. She doesn't get that. And so give her some guilt and shame today for even suggesting that we get rid of that. But anyway, uh, so we're going through and I found the box that my mom had been storing stuff in. And so my mom passed away in 2018. And so I haven't gone through this box yet. And so I started to go through it. And man, it was it was a lot of neat stuff like she she had kept um, a lot of pictures and a lot of cards that I'd given to her over the years. Uh, she kept all my report cards uh, from school, which wasn't too encouraging. And so I <clears throat> didn't want to relive that. Um, but, but then, you know, there were, some, there were some really cool things in there. She, she actually kept my, uh, the program from high school, the, like the basketball program. It, it was printed in black and white. So I'm looking at these, you know, pictures in black and white. My youngest daughter, Blakely, she was like, Dad, did they not have colored photos back then? Are you that old? And so, no, honey, they did. But um, I, I found an envelope and inside the envelope were, I guess it was my first haircut, these, these blonde curls in an envelope. I thought that was kind of weird, but does any, any other moms do that? Okay, good. I'm not the only, only one. And so those curls, if you've seen my oldest two kids, Bailey and Bryson, you, you, you see the curls where they get it from. I just keep my hair short. But I was going through the box, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm reliving some of these things. And you know what the most, the, the, the thing in the box that I treasured the most um, was something that really has no value at all. Like nobody here would see that as a family like heirloom and be like, oh man, that's super expensive. You should treasure that. No, what, what, what I found in the box that is the most valuable to me is actually a picture. And the picture is of my mom and I. And, 
And uh, this is on Mount Katahdin. My mom hiked the entire Appalachian Trail and she did it in, in sections. And the last section that she needed to do was, was Mount Katahdin. It's the, it's the last portion in Maine. And it's a pretty rigorous trail. You've got to rock climb essentially. And so she would always go with her uh, friends and she didn't think that they could pull that off. And so she wasn't going to do it. And I said, well, mom, I'll, I'll go with you. And, and so we took uh, a long weekend and we went up there and we did it together. And so I saw this picture and it just reminded me at, at, about this moment. And the picture itself is not valuable, right? You get that. You have, you have pictures. The, the picture isn't worth money, but it's priceless to me. I treasure this because of the relationship that it represents. I treasure it because of the relationship that, that she and I had and the memories that we made in this moment. And some of you have the same thing. You, you have things that you treasure that aren't necessarily valuable, but they represent a relationship that's important to you or a memory that you shared with that person. And so as we think about treasures, I wonder what do you actually treasure today? What are the things in your life that, that you would say, this, this is my treasure? Like is, is my relationship with my spouse something that I treasure? It's valuable to me, it's important to me. Do, do, I, do I value and treasure uh, my, my children? Do, do I value and treasure my house? Is that where my, oh, what I really treasure? Or, or, or a car that I, that I might buy? What is it that you treasure? Do you treasure your 401k or your stock portfolio or the property that you own? What is it that has captivated your heart? What is it that you are so enamored with that, that you have given all to, to love and, and, and that really has your heart today? What is it that you treasure? I think the mistake that a lot of us make is that we treasure the wrong things. And when we treasure the wrong things, it always leads to regret. It always leads to shame because we're sorry for, for actually caring about something that, that we actually shouldn't have. It, it usually breaks relationships in our lives. And, and it usually always takes us outside of the will of God when we treasure the wrong things. See, God doesn't bless disobedience. And so he's calling us to a deeper relationship with him. He's calling us to treasure him first and foremost above all things. And, and so today, as we look at Matthew 6, the question is, what are you truly treasuring today? Jesus says this in verse 19. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So for each of us, as we look at the scripture, if you want your love to go somewhere, you've got to be generous to it. And that's what we get backwards. We think we care about something and so we give to it, but it's actually the reverse. What he is saying here to us in this passage is that generosity leads and then your heart follows. Generosity leads. And so you give money towards this item. You give time and energy towards something. 
And as you give money and time and energy towards something, then your heart follows and then you love it. You see, we get that backwards, I think, in our lives so often, but generosity leads and your heart follows. This is one of the biggest keys to a, a, a happy life. And it's, uh, it's the, one of the biggest keys to enjoying your life and being in, 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 in a fulfilled life. He's saying that if you want to treasure something, if you want to love something, then you've got to be generous to it. If you want to love your spouse and love the longevity of your marriage, then you've got to invest into it. It's not a feeling, but you invest time, energy, money, and as you do, your heart follows. You don't treasure your career first, right? And then money follows. It's the opposite. You go to school and you spend a ton of money on college and then you work your tail off to invest into this job or this business or whatever it is. And, and you're investing time and energy and money and time and energy and money. And then before long, you realize that you treasure your job. You realize that you care about your job. You see money and, and, and serving and giving happens first and then your, your heart will follow. You don't just wake up and care about UT football. Right? You, you buy season tickets and you buy the Petros and you buy the shirts and you get the seats and, and, and you spend the money and you tailgate and you go with your friends. And as you do all of this, as you're investing money and time, you end up bleeding orange. Right? But, but the investment happens first and then the heart follows. This is what Jesus is saying. Don't get it backwards. He warns us with two important warnings in this passage. He says, first of all, we're tempted to serve money. He says, he says, you're tempted to serve money, to love money. And so he wants us to be aware that we're tempted in one way or another to serve money. But he says, nobody can serve two masters. Nobody can, can, can serve two masters. It's, it's not just kind of you can't. He's saying it's an impossibility. You're either going to hate one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. He says you cannot. He doesn't say you might not be able to. He says you cannot ever serve two masters. Isn't it interesting that he makes this statement? It's interesting that of all the things Jesus could have said, he says you cannot serve God and money. You might think that he would say you cannot serve God and your sexual appetite. You might think he, he would say you cannot serve God and your appetite for food. But he, he doesn't. He says you cannot serve God and money. Why? I'm, I'm guessing because Jesus knew that for most of us, the thing that, that we do with money, that we can get with money, or just money itself, would be the number one competitor for our heart. And I think it's true. We're tempted to serve money. But then secondly, the, the, the second warning that he gives us is that we are tempted to love money. We're tempted to love it. We're tempted to treasure it. Right? We're tempted to go after it and, and, and to sell out for it. We're tempted to lie, cheat, and steal to get more of it. We're tempted to, to take jobs that take us away from our family so that we can have more of it. We're tempted to, 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 to travel and, and, and to have fun and to do things that takes us out of a relationship with, with God's church because we want to use what money gives to us. You see, we're tempted to love money and the things that money can buy for us. 
But here's what the scripture says. You're, you know what this is. First Timothy 6.10 says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Let's let the, the power of this passage hit us hard today. You, you've read it before, but God, would you just speak to our hearts the, the truth of this passage? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. He goes on to say some people who are eager for money have wandered away from their faith and have pierced themselves with much pain. When you chase money, when you love money, it will bring much pain in your life. It can even cause you to wander away from your faith in God. So we are tempted to love money. And this is huge. We've got to understand. It's, it's not that money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not bad. Money's not good. Money's neutral. Money is whatever we use it for, right? And so we have to understand that, that it's the love of money. It's not money in general. And I think that's important because we live in a culture that tends to make people who have money feel guilty or want them to feel guilty or want them to feel shame. And our, our government politicians, you know, preach this to us. They got, you know, wealthy have to pay their fair share. Like, bro, you're wealthy too. Are you paying your share? You know, what, what, what is happening here? Like, like, why is it that we have this tendency when people are wealthy that we want to dog them or we want to criticize them? We want them to feel guilty for that. Do you realize that just living in America alone, we are wealthier than two-thirds of the world? I mean, what we have and what we're able to do every single day in our country, this is the greatest country in the world. And by the way, happy Veterans Day to all of our veterans. Wave at me, veterans. Let's give them a round of applause. Part of what we get to enjoy is because of the sacrifice of men and women and, that have gone before us. And so, so we, we, we recognize this. We need to recognize this because there's, there's two extremes here. There's what's called prosperity gospel, and you've probably heard of this. Um, it's, it's this idea that if we give to God, then he's going to save us. If we give to God, then he's going to bless us with the new car or the whatever. Right? That's not biblical. But then the opposite side of that is what's called poverty theology. And poverty theology is, 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 is what teaches us that if you want to be holy and if you want to be right with God, then you got to give everything away. You, you can't have anything. You want to give it away. People in Africa live in huts, so you can't have that. And, you know, you, you, you shouldn't have driven a car today. You should have walked. Why, why did you drive? You should have walked, right? And to be holy, you got to give it all away. And I, I just think that's, that's extremely anti-biblical. In fact, Paul talks about it. It's, it's called asceticism. Asceticism essentially means that in order for us to be holy, that we have to give everything away and live in poverty, essentially. But in Colossians chapter 2, verse 18, Paul says, let, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism. So big word, but Paul's essentially saying, look, don't let people tell you that in order to grow in Christ, then you have to be poor. That is not the case. In fact, the Bible is very clear that, that God blesses and honors people with wealth. He is the one that gives wealth. He is the one that blesses us with the country that we live in. And the Bible celebrates that wealth because it recognizes that God is the author of that wealth. Because God is the one who makes us wealthy, he does that so that we would do good with it, right? I love what 1 Chronicles 29 says. This is King David speaking. And, and David at this time is the king, wealthiest guy, 
probably in the world at the time. Israel is very wealthy at this time. And so David says this, therefore, David, bless the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Everything he's saying belongs to God. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. He says, both riches and honor come from my hard work. No, 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 no. Both riches and honor come from you, God. And he says, you rule over all. Your hand, in your hand are power and might. Let's not forget that. His, his power and his might are in his hand to give to us. And in your hand is to make great and to give strength. So he's making some great, right? And he's giving some strength. And now what's he say? Because of this, I feel entitled for more. <laughs> no, because of this, what's he say? I thank you. Now it's time to praise God. It's time to thank him. I thank you, our God, and I, I praise you, right? Now he's thankful and, 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 and praising God. We're about to have Thanksgiving, right? So, so getting our hearts ready and praise your glorious name. But then he says, hold up, who am I? Who am I that you bless me with such greatness, such power, such wealth? And what are my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly. In other words, in other, you know, he's saying essentially, who are we that we have anything to offer you, God? For all things come from you, there it is again, and of your own have we given. Of your own. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, what I'm giving to you belongs to you. And so of what you have given to me, I'm giving back to you. You see, God is the one that gives power and might. God is the one who is making great and giving strength. God is the one that we think and that we praise because who are we? I'm no one to be able to have the things that he has given to me. I'm not worthy of it. We're not worthy as a church to have what God has, has blessed us with. I look at our church and I say, God has blessed our church more than he has blessed other churches. I believe that. That doesn't, you know, make me feel guilty. It makes me feel responsible. I have a responsibility because of how God has blessed our church with the people and the resources and the vision that he's given to us here at Foothills Church. And so if you're wealthy today, I don't want you to feel guilty. I want you to feel responsible. As God has blessed you, now we are called to give back to God out of what he owns, which is everything that we have. What Jesus is saying is that what we do with our money is a sure indicator of where our heart is at today. So if we look at our bank statements, if we look at our credit card bill, if we look at the loans that we have, the debt that we have, it will indicate, it will tell us where our heart is at. It's not, a, it's not about feelings. It's not about shame right now. It's just about getting to the hardcore facts. Those statements 
tell the facts. What we do with money doesn't lie. It's a bold statement to God of what we really care about. So to sum that up, what we do with money indicates where our heart is today, presently, where it is. But then what we do with money also also begins to indicate where our heart is going. Because again, what I'm giving to my heart is following. What What I invest in my passion and my energy and my love follows. So if this is true, and I believe that it is, Jesus is calling us to something that would transform the way that we use money. And it's not just about how we spend money. He actually tells us to invest money, to use it for something good. He's not telling us not to spend it and just to hoard it. He's not telling us to give it all away and live in a mud hut. No, he's, he's telling us to be responsible, right? And so he gives us two investment principles. And the first investment principle is that investments on earth are never safe. He doesn't say there are some safe ones. He says, none of them are safe. Moth is gonna destroy. Rust is gonna destroy everything that we buy. Thieves can break in and steal. Nothing in this world is going to go to heaven with us that we purchase or buy. No money, no material possession, nothing is safe. But he says, when we invest into the kingdom of God financially, when we invest our time when we invest our resources into God's kingdom, that investment takes on an eternal value. It will exist forever. And so he says, store up for yourself investments into heaven. That is eternal. You'll have a return on that investment that lasts a lifetime. He's not saying invest and store money and because it might be lost. He's saying store in heaven and invest in heaven because it most definitely will be lost. You'll either lose it in this lifetime or when you die, it will completely be gone. You're not taking it with you. But everything we invest into God's kingdom, we are rewarded eternally. So investments on earth are never safe. And so the second principle is really the opposite. He says, okay, so aggressively invest in God's kingdom and aggressively invest into God's kingdom. Do as much as you can with your time, energy, and resources to invest in God's kingdom, filling up heaven with new people that are coming to know Christ and ways that bless people to understand who Jesus is. This is not just about, you know, giving money to a homeless person on the side of the road. What he's telling us to do is invest in the kingdom work and the great commission work of planting churches and reaching people with the gospel. Ways in which that we are connecting people with the hope of Jesus. Not just, you know, dolling out money to whoever and whatever. He's telling us to be strategic about our giving. In verse 19, he says, storing up treasure for themselves. So sometimes we think, okay, if I'm giving to God, shouldn't I just be giving because God says to give and that's just it? I shouldn't like be excited about it or I shouldn't be excited about what he's going to do for me. And, And really in the scripture, he tells us really this is a motivating thing. Like you should be happy about this. This is actually a motivating thing. Like you're going to get a return in this world and most definitely in the world to come for all eternity. It's going to bless you. So there's an account in heaven that we are filling up. And so that's why he's calling us to be generous. Yes, for his glory, but also for our good. And so when we give to God, he says it's an investment 
into a safe place, an eternal place. So when it comes to being generous with your resources and these kinds of things, and we talk about the vision offering, I know a lot of times it's like, okay, at some point he's going to make us feel guilty. At some point there's going to be some, there's going to be a video that makes us cry and, and uh, we're, 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 we're going to, you know, kind of be forced to give. And that's not what this is at all. I don't want you to give out of guilt. I don't want you to give out of shame, right? I, I don't want that at all. That, that, I, that, that's total opposite. I want you to treasure Jesus. I want you to desire Jesus. I want you to take your next step. I want you to experience all that God has for you. I want you to experience the goodness and grace of God that, that when you give him your time and your talents, what he does is he blesses you and your faith grows. And as your faith grows, you know him in a deeper sense and I don't want you to miss that. And so I challenge you to take this step because God doesn't want your money, he wants your heart. He's after your heart. And when you give to something, your heart follows that. This is the pathway that God uses to grow our faith. Now, you don't want love out of obligation. You don't want love out of guilt. You don't want your wife to love you um, or you don't want your wife to stay with you and, and kind of have this attitude like she comes home from work and she's just like, well, I read in the Bible today that divorce is wrong. And, you know, so I guess I got to stick it out with you and you know, adultery is a sin, so I can't, you know, do that with anybody. So I guess I'm stuck with you, man. <laughs> it's not the kind of marriage you want. You don't want her to stick it out with you out of obligation. You want her to stick it out with you because she loves you. I don't, I don't want you to read the Bible out of obligation. When Trent says we got to read the Bible. <laughs> I guess I got to read it. I don't like to read, but I guess I got to read and get something out of it. No, I want you to read the Bible because you understand it to be the the, the, the Holy Scriptures, the truth of God's Word, the inerrant, infallible words of God that have truth and life and power for your life today. They get our focus on the eternal and give us purpose and motivation to live today. Yes, that's why. Trent says we got to pray. Got to pray. So I guess, God, I'm just going to pray. We'll pray and I'll say something. I don't know. We don't pray out of obligation. We pray because Jesus says you get to communicate with the creator of the universe in the name of Jesus. He hears your prayers. He answers your prayers. And it's through prayer that he changes your heart. That's why we pray. Not out of obligation because we, we have a desire. We treasure him. And we communicate with him and he responds to us. I don't want you to give because you feel obligated. For each and every one of us, this isn't a have to, it's a get to. I don't have to, I get to. And those of you who, who've been given over the years and who have given this year, it's almost like God has taken two fish or you know five loaves of bread and two fish and he's multiplied it and done a miracle in our church because he's taken what you've given and we've been able to do things that on paper don't look like we should be able to do it. You know, when we, when we were able to plant a church in Knoxville, and the resources that that took and the people that it took. It's unbelievable that God did that. But it only happened because of, 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 of hard work and the investment that the people who are giving to Foothills Church enabled to happen. Right? The, the facility that we were able to renovate next door that for kids and, and for, for uh, office space. Like, like God took a, a little bit and he multiplied it because of your faithful giving. That's the only reason why we were able to do it. We've got over a thousand people in small groups right now, the, more than we've ever had. And it's like, 
Your gifts, resources allowed us to have staff and, 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 and the ability to equip people to do that. We've seen over 100 people get baptized this year, giving their faith to Christ. And we should celebrate that today and praise God for that. Come on, church, let's praise him. These are people's lives that have been transformed. That only is, is, is able when people are giving and investing into the kingdom of God here at Foothills Church, the staff that we have right now is, is incredible. And we were only able to have that because of the generosity of the people of Foothills Church. We've given over $130,000 away to plant churches and to train ministers of the gospel. I mean, you, you may not know this, but as a Southern Baptist Church, we cooperate with over 50,000 churches and, and we, we all give to this fund that then uh, plants churches and, and, and reaches people overseas. So in unreached people groups, right now there's 3,500 missionaries all over the world that through our giving, God is, is, is planting churches and reaching people with the gospel. This year, uh, 600 churches were planted through the North American Mission Board all across North America. Right? Because of what we give, we're able to train 25,000 ministers of the gospel in our seminaries. And some even on our staff are are going to seminary. And what, when we give, it lowers tuition so they can do it more affordably. Um, the disaster relief ministry uh, through this ministry is, is, is really the boots on the ground when any disaster happens. And it doesn't have to be a famous or popular, you know, something that Hollywood says is cool to give to. It's every disaster. The SBC is sending a disaster relief. And when you give to Foothills, you're helping do that. You can actually get involved in that as well. And so there are so many ways that, that God is blessing the world through the giving of Foothills Church that maybe you didn't realize, but we're cooperating with Christians all over the world to take the gospel to the ends of the world. And this isn't a have to, it's a get to. We get to do this. We get to cooperate and, and, and serve with God and be faithful with what he has given to us. And so when we think about the goals that we're trying to accomplish, we're, we're, we're trying to renovate a movie theater to become a church to reach thousands of people over the next generations. We're trying to start up a counseling ministry and take our next step. We're trying to uh, expand and, and have property to be able to have more parking so that more people can hear the gospel. And I look at this and I think, man, but I don't live in Knoxville, but, but, but when I think about it, maybe my kids or my grandkids are going to live in Knoxville or their best friends are going to live in Knoxville and that church is going to reach them with the gospel and transform their lives. Maybe, maybe somebody I love, maybe their marriage is going to be saved and healed because they're able to connect to biblical counseling and it's going to transform their life. All the hundreds of thousands of people that God is sending into our area right now, like we need more space so that they can have an opportunity to experience what you and I have gotten to experience here. So this isn't a have to, it's a get to. And I'm excited because of how God has blessed our church with so many new people and so many new people that, that I'm excited to see how you're gonna give and take part in this. And so I wanted you to see kind of all the people that are taking part today with the pie chart. I got a pie chart for you. Any pie chart fans? Pie chart, all right, here we go. So here's a pie chart. I know you can't probably read some of this, but this is essentially what that says. And you can kind of see first and foremost that it's kind of a good kind of pizza look here. You know, there's a few smaller pieces, but it, it, it's pretty symmetrical. And, and so what I want you to see here is that 
you know, there's only 0.3% of the people giving over $50,000 to our church. There are people giving that and people giving a lot more than that. But you can see that it's only 0.3%. And then again, 0.8%, 25 to 49,000, and then 4%, 10 and, and, and 25,000. So if you take this like 5% of, 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 of giving, like some of you might see that and be like, oh, that's a lot of money. That's 5% of the people. What I want you to see is that 11% gave a dollar to $100, right? 24% gave 100 to 500. So that's, that's, that's like a quarter of our church is, has given $100 to $500. Why I want you to see this is because some of you think that what you give doesn't matter. You think, well, it's, it's, it's only $100. It's only $10, it's only this, it's only that. But when you look at the grand scheme of things, it's a big portion of the resources that God uses through the ministries of our church. And you can kind of see the balance here of the amount that is given. And so I just wanted you guys to kind of see that, to kind of understand that and there's a lot of people given various different amounts and it's not about the amount. It's about the heart behind that and the sacrifice behind that. Here's another interesting stat, 548 households. So our, our finance team, Andrew, did a great job tracking these numbers down. We've got 548 households. These aren't individual people. These are households. So like a couple, married couple, you would be a household. 548 households. These are people that are attending on Sunday. They are, uh, many of them in small groups and many of them are serving. So these are partners. These are people engaged in the life of our church. 548 households. It represents uh, probably over a thousand people, but 548 engaged, listening, attending, involved. But these 548 households have not given a dollar to Foothills Church this year. Now, at first, when I hear that, I might be like, oh man, what is up with that? Because you obviously like the preaching because you keep coming back to hear more. Maybe not after this message, but <laughs> so far it's been working out. You love the kids' ministry. You love the student ministry. Your kids finally love coming to church, right? You love the relationships that you're building because many of you guys are, are in a small group. And so you're connecting uh, in a small group. And so you're enjoying that. You're, you're loving the church in general because you're serving in some capacity. So you're, you're, you're giving of your time, but you haven't yet given of your resources. You're enjoying everything. You're just... You're just not in investing into the process. You like experiencing what you're experiencing, but you haven't yet thought about other people experiencing it. And so my challenge for, for you guys, right? You see the pie chart, you see anything is, is important, but then also think about it in terms of this. Here, here's a stat. If those 548 households gave $20 a week, That'd be $569,000, a little over that, right? Over a half a million dollars if these, grew, if these houses would give $20 a week. That's, that's four overpriced cups of coffee a week. For some of you, you get the venti, so three. If you just said no to the three cups of coffee, you could give and invest in eternity. For some of you, that's, that's eating out one, one lunch a, a week. Right? Instead of eating out, just pack a lunch and you could make a huge impact. That's basically a little over $1,000 a 
right? Some of you could give $1,000 to the vision offering and you wouldn't even blink. And then you could give that weekly, right? Now, think about it in terms of this. Here's another one. If you decided that you were going to give $50 a week, that'd be over $1.4 million. If just these people, nobody else gave, just these people that haven't given a dollar gave $50 a week, $1.4 million. What was the total of our vision offering goal? 1.1. We'd be able to knock out every single goal. Easy. If just you guys gave $50 a week. If you gave $20, that'd be goal number one and 33% of goal number two. You could do this. I make sacrifices. We, we don't do things so that we can give and have done that our entire marriage. $50 a week, I mean, gosh, think about that. You could, you could give up some of the subscriptions to the apps that you have or some of the streaming services. You got HBO, you got Hulu, you got Netflix, you got all these things that you hardly use. If you canceled that, $50 would be easy. You know what the truth is? If some of you stopped drinking alcohol, that'd be $50 a week, easy. If some of you just stopped gambling, $50, easy. You could begin to treasure Jesus. And that's what it's about. It's about treasuring Jesus above the vacation. It's treasuring Jesus above the car. It's treasuring Jesus above the high you get when you, when you gamble and win some money. It's about treasuring Jesus more than the stuff that you're running after. And at the end of the day, I mean, you can hate me, you can love me, but I'm looking at the scripture and Jesus is clearly teaching us whatever you're giving money to, that's where your heart is. And for four, 548 households, your heart is not treasuring Jesus. There's just no way you can convince me of that. So it excites me on the level that you can take your next step. No matter what that is, you take the step that God calls you to take and you see how he blesses you and transforms your life. Uh, some of you guys fly a lot. And so you go to the air, airport, you get in your little comfy seat here, right? 6'4", not comfy at all, but this is where we get. Now, when you go on a long trip, you're probably gonna take a book, you're probably gonna take some AirPods, maybe a little pillow, a blanket or something. You kind of get that stuff because it's a long trip and that's kind of what you fit in there. But what if you saw somebody sitting in their seat and then all of a sudden they started hanging pictures on the wall here with their family. <laughs> and then they hung some curtains over the window, like some nice like cloth curtains from Target or something. And then they started to wallpaper the wall or paint it and they put the little rug down, you know, and, and they, 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 they put their seat down and they put some decorations up on the little flowers and stuff. What would you think of that person? Crazy crazy. Why are they doing that? You would think. You would think that's a waste of time. That is a waste of money. That is a waste of energy. Why? Because no matter how long the flight is, it's still going to end really soon. You're not going to be there long. So you, you wouldn't spend a lot of time investing into this area. The truth is, the more you can understand the truth that this life is brief, brevity of life and you get one shot. Families, if you've got little kids in elementary school, hold on tight because when they hit middle school, time flies. Life is so short. And if you're spending time decorating your seat here, you miss the eternal perspective 
that God is calling you to live for. He's calling you to live for your future home in eternity. That requires us to take our next step today. Your next step is the most important step. Some of you need to take a step of faith and go to the next class or you need to take a step of faith and begin to give and and then whatever it is, God is waiting on you to get serious about your faith. When you sat down, you should have seen a an envelope like this in front of you. You can take this with you. You can fill it out today and put it in the giving stations or you can bring it back next week. Continue to pray about what you're going to give. It's essentially a commitment card. And next Sunday, we're going to be asking everybody to turn this in and, and uh, write in what they're going to give and what, whatever that commitment is going to be. You can go to thevisionoffering.com, learn more. You can give online. Every time you give, that little tracker will move forward. We'll be able to track it together. But I, I know that the potential of what God wants to do is far greater than any of us have imagined in your life, in your personal relationships and with our church. And so let me pray God's blessing as we continue to seek him today. Father, God, we love you, we praise you. It is sometimes hard for us to have this conversation and to see your word because it does require change. And so many Lord do want to treasure you and they do want to take this step. So give them the faith, give them the courage, Give them the desire to do what you're calling them to do. Lord, help our church to be found faithful. Help us to live for eternity and not just our brief life here. God, prepare us for the future. Get our heart and mind ready to take our step today, to know you in a deeper way and to pour out our life, to truly treasure you above all else. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. We'll see you next Sunday. Have a great week. You're dismissed. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like the video and leave a comment. And we also encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss a post from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, just head to our website by going to foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.